And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, and today we're talking with Lori Higgins, cultural affairs warrior and a writer for the Illinois Family Institute, a not-for-profit ministry that reaffirms biblical principles and how they connect to the current cultural landscape. Particularly, we're going to be talking about sexual issues, homosexuality, transgenderism, and all of the confusion that's out out there in our nation right now, and how that can be an opportunity for us to forward the gospel. I'm an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are all believers uh, that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration, and defending religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to malkbaker.com. That's M A U C K B A K E R.com or call 312 726 Four three. Lori's commentaries have covered many current issues relating to our society's infringement on religious liberty and conservative and family values. But today we want to focus on the need to overturn the irresponsible bans against reparative therapy, a cause that she passionately supports. Lori, welcome back to our show. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. What is reparative therapy? Well, reparative therapy is, is really just counseling to help people understand better the potential environmental causes for same-sex attraction. That's what it refers to. So, you say en- environmental? Right. So we know, that, we know that childhood sexual abuse can cause, even people on the left will say, it can cause sexual orientation confusion, for example. So a little boy who's been molested for years by a man can grow up and experience same-sex attraction. And so that would be, because what the left likes to do is they like to say that, you know, we've all heard the expression born that way, implying a biological determinism about same-sex attraction. But even professional mental health organizations deny that. The APA says that it is a as far as anyone can tell thus far, it's a combination of nature and nurture. So environment are those experiences in your life that might contribute to same-sex attraction. So counseling, let's say someone, let's say a minor child, a 16-year-old is experiencing unwanted, unchosen same-sex attraction. Historically, until we started passing these laws, they could go to a counselor to explore sexual orientation change. I'm not a fan, excuse me, of the term sexual orientation, but that's what we're, there's a term sexual orientation change efforts. Now, thanks to the left and Bruce Rauner, Governor Bruce Rauner signing it into law, minors in Illinois can no longer have counseling to help them with unwanted, unchosen Uh, same-sex All right, just just a minute here. Reparative therapy is helping and counseling people who have 
unwanted same-sex attractions. And of course, we all want to be able to to get counseling whenever we have a problem, whether it's it's alcoholism or anger management or uh, um, spousal abuse. Why is reparative therapy that is help for those who have unwanted same-sex attractions, why is that being singled out by the state of Illinois to say you can't get that type of counseling? Well, there's two answers to that. One, what the left will say, and one that is true. The left will say because those forms of counseling are ineffective and actually harmful. The truth is it's because LGBT activists want to normalize both homosexuality and actually in Illinois this ban this is unlike other states in Illinois the Illinois Human Rights Act includes in the term sexual orientation it includes gender identity and gender expression which you know that would be transgenderism gender dysphoria so our particular law actually bans help for people minors who experience gender dysphoria if that help would lead them to abandon that transgender identity. So what the left is always doing is trying to use laws, policies, practices to normalize homosexuality and gender dysphoria. So we can see what they're trying to do. They don't want to view homosexual attraction or gender dysphoria as unnatural and unhelpful and harmful, undermining human flourishing. Well, I, I, I sometimes have a hard time understanding the left, as I'm sure you do, Laurie, but uh, I thought that the whole gist of Roe versus Wade was to give people freedom to choose. And this uh, statute that uh, prohibits uh, reparative therapy and actually penalizes and can lead to a suspension of the license of any psychologist or psychiatrist or doctor or counselor who counsels people to help them resist or change, um, they'd, be, they'd be put out of business, lose their license. How does, how does the left reconcile prohibiting choice in reparative therapy and mandating choice in uh, the abortion context? Well, I mean, this points to the inconsistencies and incoherence of the sexual revolution in general. I mean, when I wrote about this bill at the time when it was proposed and hadn't been enacted yet, I called it an anti-autonomy, anti-choice bill, which is exactly what you're arguing. It's, it's the same kind of inconsistency you see in how they use tolerance, <clears throat> except they're completely intolerant of the expression of any ideas that they don't like because they will say, well, but these are actually harmful. So we, we shouldn't offer people a choice for something that's actually harmful. And I, you know, I've written on a number of occasions about epistemology, a big word for just, you know, how do we know what we know? How do we know what we believe to be true is actually true? And so we don't even get to those. So when they say, oh, but this is actually harmful, I'd say, well, what, how do you define harm, and how did you arrive at that conclusion? In the law itself, they cite all these professional um, medical and mental health organizations as being supportive of the trans-affirming protocol, 
But I wrote an article about the American Academy of Pediatrics because we see that all the time that they are cited as affirming, you know, the transgender protocol, you know, know, cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers and all that. And and I thought, well, it can't, 66,000 members of the AA, American Academy of Pediatrics couldn't possibly all affirm this. So I did research and found out that there was a politically biased committee of about a dozen doctors who came up with this protocol, and another dozen on this particular board voted for it, and then it went out. It was never sent to the entire board, I mean, the entire membership of the American Academy of Pediatrics. There was no minority report. We have no idea what the 66 thousand members believe about that. And the same would go for the mental health pro, uh, uh, professional organizations. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio, and I'm John Malk of the law firm Malk & Baker. Today, we're speaking with Lori Higgins, cultural affairs writer for the Illinois Family Institute, about reparative therapy and the so-called scientific and biological uh, professional studies underlying the idea that reparative therapy is harmful. Uh, Laurie, you, you, you explained in detail how the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, had a rigged uh, study, uh, but yet there are other studies that are coming out. The uh, Catholic Medical Association uh, has just published Effects of Therapy on Religious Men Who Have Unwanted Same-Sex Attractions. What do you take from that study? Well, that study actually is very similar to an earlier one by Stan Jones from Wheaton College. It was talking about it was a longitudinal study of religiously mediated counseling. And both of these uh, studies show that sexual orientation change efforts, reparative therapy, is neither ineffective nor harmful. Well, Laurie, I'm glad you mentioned Stan Jones, the uh, professor at Wheaton College and uh, psychologist who has counseled many, many concerning reparative therapy. Um, I spoke with him and about this American Psychological Association report, and he said that he actually requested to be on the committee that was preparing that report, but the president of the association would not allow him to be on the committee. So effectively, you had a stacked committee where there would have been the possibility of a dissenting view, but uh, a Christian view and a a view that men and women can be helped if they want help uh, with changing their sexual orientation. That was excluded. So we really shouldn't rely on American... uh, Psychological Association reports if the if the report is predetermined before, rather than determined by uh, appropriate study. Right. I mean, this is the irony, and you know, the left says that minors should be able to access medical help in rejecting their unwanted, unchosen biological sex, which of course is an exercise in futility, but they should be banned by law from accessing medical help in rejecting their unwanted, unchosen feelings. Uh, Coming up, we will talk further with Lori about the movement to overturn our Illinois ban on reparative therapy. I'm John Malk, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauck, partner of law firm at Mauck & Baker. And today we're talking with Lori Higgins of the Illinois Family Institute about a current Illinois law that is preventing individuals from seeking help from licensed therapists for unwanted same-sex attractions. Uh, during the break, Lori, uh, you were mentioning the reason that the left doesn't think that reparative therapy is necessary. Well, they argue that they sh we should oppose it, we should ban it, because they say it's ineffective and harmful. The real reason is they don't think that there's any reason to change sexual orientation, to reject same-sex attraction, to try to change it or diminish it. It's the same thing with gender dysphoria. The idea that someone would identify as the opposite sex, there's no need to change that. And so, well, let's ban and, it. And, th and this is a decision by people saying that uh, young people, age 12, age 15, or older people, age 30, who want help, who want the change, are forbidden by law from getting that type of counseling that they want from any licensed doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, school counselor. It's made illegal, and those people are, are denied the right to even choose. And that's what the left is saying. You don't have the right to choose because we don't think you need to choose. Is that right. a correct statement? Yeah, absolutely. In other words, if you let's say you're a person of faith and you experience same-sex attraction, and there's many reasons why people experience that, and you want to construct an identity that doesn't affirm homosexuality. So I want to make it clear, it, it, we, we may not be able to, people experience same-sex attraction may not be able to eradicate wholly those feelings, and they're no different from the rest of us who experience other disordered desires. But the left thinks, and, and we, we want to create an identity that doesn't affirm those desires. We don't expect them to be wholly eradicated. But the left doesn't think that there's any reason to construct an identity that doesn't affirm those. And so they say, well, we're going to have laws based on our philosophical and moral assumptions. Well, that assumption uh, runs head on into the recent Catholic Medical Association study uh, which studied 125 men over, uh, I think it was uh, a 10-year period, uh, that 68% of them reported reductions in their same-sex attractions and an increase in opposite-sex attractions. Overall, the study conflicts with the American Psychological Association report that says reparative therapy is ineffectual and harmful. Well, what's really interesting about, especially the harmful uh, uh, conclusion is anyone who is paying attention to when these laws were passed, particularly the bans, particularly the one in New Jersey, has heard about what they, you know, the electroconvulsive therapy or electroshock treatments for, for, for treating sexual orientation as if this goes on. It hasn't, I don't know where it's gone on 
it hasn't gone, if it did go on, it hasn't gone on for decades, literally decades. I think it did, they did try it, as they did, I think, with alcoholism decades ago. But there is not a counselor in this country who has used that. And in fact, in New Jersey, they had someone testify that he had gone to a camp where they had done some of these sorts of treatments. And after the, tri- after the um, law was passed, people started researching it and found out there was no camp. Nothing, this thing didn't even happen, and he was used to persuade them. So we're really talking about counseling, talk therapy, to get at root causes for same-sex attraction, and in, in so doing, in, in achieving sort of clarity about why those feelings might have developed, maybe those will diminish. And alternatively, or at the same time, finding ways to construct an identity that doesn't include affirmation of those desires and acting on them, which is a legitimate exercise that autonomous people should be able to make. And counselors should be free to engage in that kind of counseling. And uh, it gets even scarier when we start talking about transgenderism. Uh, Tell us a little about this recent study from... uh, emanating from a researcher at Brown University and young women who have confusion about whether they're transgender. Yes, so the the researcher and physician at Brown University, her name is Dr. Um, Lisa Littman, and she discovered online some uh, parents discussing online the fact that their children, primarily teenage girls, over I think 82% of the uh, parents that she researched, 82% of their kids were female, experienced what they have now coined rapid onset gender dysphoria. So they now identify as trans. They want medical treatment. All right, let's back up for a second. Rapid onset gender dysphoria. So the rapid onset means uh, the kids were teenagers. They had problems uh, back and forth and and questions and just like any other teenagers, raging hormones and and confusion. But all of a sudden, they believe they're gender dysphoric or they believe that they're transgender. All of a sudden, that's what the rapid onset Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So these are so this these is are very kids. dangerous. Any parent out there who has a teenage girl or uh, or a grandparent uh, has to be concerned about that. Uh, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of Malk and Baker, and we're speaking with Lori Higgins of the Illinois Family Institute about the Illinois law against reparative therapy and how we can stand up against it. So go ahead. Uh, uh, Lori, and, and finish uh, what the Brown University report by Dr. Lisa Littman uh, stated and how the, uh, the university reacted after it had uh, uh, publicized this report. Yes, you're right. It's very, very dangerous. So Dr. Littman had seen these accounts online, so she surveyed parents whose children had come to them suddenly as teenagers, 80% of them were female, 20% were male, saying suddenly, never having experienced any gender dysphoria when they were younger, came to them and said that they were trans and they wanted medical treatment. And so she was surveying and asking a lot of questions about this and discovered that 
the vast majority of these kids had gone online, they experienced some discomfort, sometimes bodily alienation, meaning discomfort with their physical embodiment, and they concluded that they were trans. They self-diagnosed. Some of them, so she identified social contagion as a huge part of this. So there are a couple of accounts of girls who are in circles of friends where four of them decided that they were trans. Four of them, actually, one account that she gives is four girls who were being coached in some athletics by a very popular coach who came out to them as trans. And within a year, all four of these girls were now identifying as trans. What's troubling is these kids are wanting medical treatment. They want to be put on cross-sex hormones. Some of them are asking for surgery. And so Dr. Littman just identified the reasons they talked about what are called comorbidities, that there are other problems in these children's lives preceding this self-diagnosis. And she said further research is needed to examine why these kids are feeling like this. And also many of them are going on social media and the internet. They're spending hours watching videos of people talking positively about their transitioning experiences. This is this is a huge threat to all of our kids. And here in Illinois, our law then would prohibit a psychologist or a school counselor from helping that person uh, find a heterosexual identity. They can only encourage the transgender identity. Is that is that an well, accurate statement about our law? Well. It's an accurate statement about our law because Illinois law is different in that it includes sexual, the term sexual orientation in law includes gender identity and gender expression. Uh, I would just correct one thing. It wouldn't be, we're not, it has nothing to do with sexual orientation in this case. It would be helping these kids accept their biological sex and recognize what the underlying reasons are for their for their feeling of disconnect or discomfort with their biological sex. What's even more troubling about this is, so Brown University, and this is just all in the past week, Brown University put a news story on their website, as most universities do when, when a, a faculty member has a new, something that's been published, a new study, a new research. They put a little news story about it. Then the LGBT, particularly the trans community, descended on them, opposed it. Other faculty members opposed it because, of course, it may, refl- it may challenge the assumptions that impel the trans movement. And so... Brown University has taken down the news story and issued what it is, in effect, a de facto apology to the trans community. And what's interesting also is they they start off by saying, oh, we're committed to academic freedom and free inquiry. And then they go into, at the same time, and they talk about why they really can't do it because of the opposition by the trans community. And you can read more about this. on, on I have an article about it on IFI's website. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for speaking with us today. Uh, those who are interested in fighting this ban can contact Laurie or contact Malkin Baker because we're working with the Illinois Family Institute uh, to challenge this Illinois law. Uh, how can people f- find you and, and take action if they support this current issue, Laurie? Oh, they can go to IllinoisFamily.org. Illinois Family all spelled out. If you have a legal need or a question 
and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mauk and Baker. You can reach us at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. You're gonna have to save somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to save somebody.